Welcome to Me Time, the podcast for women in midlife who've been taking care of everyone else and now say, it's my turn to take care of me. I'm Kim Aceto, health and self-care coach for women in midlife and your host. Thank you for spending your precious me time with me right now. Enjoy the show. Okay, so today I'm here with Donna Ferris. Let me tell you about Donna. Donna Y. Ferris is the author of We've Got to Stop Meeting Like This and lives in Westchester, Pennsylvania and Duck, North Carolina with her husband and dogs. In addition to continuing to work in corporate America, Donna teaches yoga, leads retreats and workshops and writes for publications including Elephant Journal and the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette as side hustles. Donna, welcome to the Me Time Midlife Podcast. Well, thank you, Kim. It's such an honor to be here with you. Oh, it's great to talk with you. And I'm looking forward to our conversation so much. But before we begin, as your first time guest, I have to ask you, what do you enjoy doing during your me time? I I appreciate that question. I think it's something that I actually, when I work with clients or in my workshops, I ask them to write down, you know, 10 healthy things to do, you know, when you don't have anything else to do. Uh, and these are kind of the go-tos. And so I do have a list, which is, I'm just thankful you ask people because a lot, many times people don't have a list. Um, but for me, I think the number one thing that I, I do is um, I walk with my dog. So I have a dog named Jake. He's a, he's a, a hound um, by nature. Uh, I've adopted him from uh, a rescue in South Carolina. And um, he needs to be walked. So I walk him every day. <laughs> so, um, and if I don't do that, I feel very deprived. It's a thing that I know that when I'll, I'll get resentful if I don't do that. So that's something mm-hmm. I really, really try to do. Um, and then, you know, I do some of the things that other people do, you know, like reading. Of course, I, I do yoga and meditation uh, and I write. Uh, writing is, um, as Brene Brown says, find things that make you forget about time. And for me, writing, I could sit down and start writing and I will be there for hours and and not even remember uh, anything else. So it's a great thing. Oh, that flow, right? Isn't that nice? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. Yeah, I, it, flow is the right word. Right, right. Yeah, when we lose track of time and we're so enthralled in what we're doing and um it's enjoyable. It's challenging, but not too challenging. It's not too easy that we get bored. It's like that right, exactly that right match for us. And I'm so glad that you found that in writing. I think a lot of people have a hard time finding activities where they can get into the flow state. Yeah. And it's, it's something I do recommend as part of, um, the workshops I do on, on change and grief is to, lean into something creative and it doesn't have to be, you know, the obvious ones like painting or writing or singing. It can be gardening, cooking, dancing. Somebody reminded me that I forgot that. Um, Sometimes people even look into their heritage um, as, or genealogy as a way to, uh, you know, separate themselves from the day. So I think there's, there's a lot of great ideas, uh, but it, you know, right around creativity that can really lift you um, out of difficult times. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, for sure. I'm glad you mentioned some of the physical ones. I just got done with a, uh, um, going through a book with a, a group of, uh, ladies that I'm coaching and, uh, the book is called the power of fun. 
And oh, it's nice. about, yeah, it's about, um, you know, finding fun, finding true fun in our lives. It's a great book. I recommend it. Um, and, um, one of the things I learned in there is, um, you know, getting into flow it, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned things like gardening is I'm a, like a kinesthetic person. I like to, I tend to get into flow with things that I'm doing physically. So, yeah. um, you know, if I'm cooking, if I'm chopping vegetables, if I'm, um, playing a sport or something like that, I tend to, and, and gardening, well, not me gardening. I have a brown thumb, not a green one, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I, I think it's, it's great for us to, I mean, it's a whole, it's a part of me time, right. It's a part of self-care and, and finding time for ourselves, um, to do things that we enjoy doing, maybe that we put off for a really long time. So, ah, I feel like I could talk with you this whole episode, just about <laughs> this first question, but, um, let's get into, uh, your story. So, uh, your story is really unique in that you experienced three losses in a three-year period. I will stop there and I will let you elaborate a little bit more on that. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, th- it is an interesting story. I, uh, I've had lost other losses in my life. Certainly. I think we all do, but I, when I had those losses happen, I was able to just muscle through them, right? So you spend the three days that they give you at work um, to grieve, you get involved in all of the things that happen around funerals and um, the economic things that you have to manage. And then you go back to your regular life and you still have this hole, but you can muscle around it. Uh, And a lot of people do. And I certainly uh, did in the past. I think because I had these three things happen. I, I realized I was, uh, I had been betrayed and uh, relatively quickly got divorced. And then within a year, I had two losses happen within about a three month period of people I really loved. And by the time the third one hit, I couldn't deny it anymore. I couldn't muscle through. I didn't have the energy and I, and I knew I was doing it wrong. I mean, you know, not that you can do grief, grief wrong per se, but I wasn't doing it well for me. I was shutting down and it just, it wasn't working. So I had to dig my way out of it. And I had to change really how I viewed life in general uh, and how I viewed things that happened to me had to change. So, so yeah, so that's, that's the story that I wrote uh, in my memoir. Uh, We've got to stop meeting like this. Um, And that's, and that's where I, I've been out uh, talking about the things I've learned uh, on podcasts and workshops. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. And, and these three losses in a three year period, I mean, that has got to be, I mean, like you said, you keep, you know, you, you said it a few times muscling your way through the grief and, um, but it sounds like three losses in three or three big losses in three years. I mean, we're losing things all the time. Um, but, but you had three big losses in, in three years and that must've been really, really tough. It was really difficult. And I, you know, I think it's also everybody, no one knows what to do with you. <laughs> I think that's mm. what is really interesting when you, it, I think we all kind of know how to help people when they have one thing happen to them, but when they have so many things happen to them, it you almost, it's almost like you almost feel like there's something wrong with you because it keeps happening. Mm. Um, and I think that it, it's hard to have anybody really understand where you're coming from because it, it, it's been so many things. So luckily for me, anyway, I was going through a, a three-year uh, training in yoga therapy, which is a combination of yoga and really a lot of different types of modalities, many physical as well as spiritual and, and energetic. And 
the things I learned there, some of the basic philosophies around, um, you know, accepting that life has these challenges and, uh, you know, learning to feel them rather than reject them or block them in any way was really, really helpful for me because I, you know, continuing to block these feelings that were happening to me and pretending like I was fine was actually making everything worse and extending the grief periods and, and you know, really holding them on you know, into my body, actually. So I was just, you know, a mess in a lot of ways because I wasn't, I wasn't letting them naturally pass and, and allowing real healing. So mm-hmm. uh, that's something I, I, I did learn through this process. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so your book, we've got to stop meeting like this. I like the play on the grammar there. Um, <laughs> what do you mean by that? We've got to stop meeting like this. Who are you talking to in, in that title, I guess? Yeah, I, I, when you have to, to, um, when you have to um, title a book, it's really, really difficult to do. It is, um, you know, I, I couldn't figure it out. I had a lot of different uh, ideas, you know, the NCPT spider. Um, I had um, something called untethered, which everybody hated. I had all these different ideas. <laughs> and I finally read an article about how to title a book. And what they said was you should do something um, along the lines of looking for a, a phrase in the book that, that kind of keeps coming back. And, um, and this phrase kept coming back. I, I said it to somebody that I loved. I really hated that I said it really quickly afterwards. I felt guilty and sad. And I, you know, it's, I, I do these, these workshops called managing change with grace and boy, I, I, I tell about front right in front of the workshop. I did not do this. I did not manage change with grace. Mm. And I want you to know that that's why I'm trying to bring these tools to you. And, 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 you know, also, you know, let you know that you need to be compassionate with yourself because you will make, make mistakes when these things happen. And, and that's basically what happened in the situation. I didn't want the situation to be happening. I was exhausted from the multiple losses I had gone through and I was pushing away life and saying, I don't want to meet you life the way it's you're presenting yourself to me. Um, and, and that was a change that had to happen. I had to, to not look at everything that was negative in my life as a uh, a bad thing. I needed to look at it as an opportunity and as possibly a, a real conduit for real change in my life that I needed desperately. But, you know, that's a mind, that's a complete mind change. Um, and, and it takes time to do that. Uh, but that's what the book is really about, is about me making that change, seeing uh, suffering as something as an opportunity as opposed to uh, the, the worst thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. And I want to, I want to ask you about that in, in a few minutes, but first, you know, why? Okay. So when did you start writing this book? You had your three losses in three years. And then when did yeah. you begin writing, writing a book? That's a funny story. I started writing at, as a blog. So about a year after I got divorced, I was actually taking the first year of, of my yoga therapy training was really yoga teacher training. And so I thought, wow, wouldn't it be cool to write a blog about getting divorced and meeting a new person who I fell in love with and doing yoga teacher training and you know, same thing, kind of applying the things from yoga teacher training to this great little life. Um, and it was going to have this beautiful, happy ending. And it was awesome. And I had it a final draft. 
and then my life changed. So the second loss, the second loss happened, the third loss happened. And then um, once I you know, kind of lifted myself off the floor, I, I realized I couldn't write that book anymore. That book wasn't real. And I started writing as I was grieving and recovering from those losses. I was writing blogs for Elephant Journal, which is an online publication that I highly recommend people check out. And I, those blogs and then what was happening to me kind of turned into the second half of the book, um, which was really helpful. So being able to write my way kind of out of this situation while applying all this, uh, this philosophy to what was happening was, was really, really uh, healing for me. Um, and my hope was it would be helpful to other people going through and also be entertaining. I mean, I didn't, I wanted to, I've always wanted to be a writer. I've always wanted to be actually a mystery writer, which I'm working on now, but I, mm. but I needed to write this, uh, to heal. So, uh, that's, that's what happened. Right. Wow. That's interesting. So you write this book kind of, uh, to help with your own journey. Um, and in turn, it's helping other women who are dealing with loss. Um, wow. So you also have workshops that you do. So there's one thing to write the book, but then to continue the process by, uh, having workshops to help women who are going through loss. Um, why, why did you choose to, to want to help women going through things like this? Why not just write the book and, um, you know, move on from your grief and loss and, uh, use these, tools that you've learned to, to deal with losses in the future? I mean, why do you want to help women with this stuff? Well, I think the the book starts off with a quote that basically says that, you know, when you're in the depths of despair, you're looking for somebody who's already gone through this and can give you a path and a way out, like, you know, help you climb out of the hole that you're in. And uh, I leaned on so many people um, and learn so much from so many different people. You know, in in yoga, you are encouraged to start your practices with you know saying thank you to all the teachers that that have contributed to where you are today. And I I I think a big part of of what I wanted to do is is really pass this stuff along. And and knowing that I don't have the answers for anybody, but I hope that some of what I went through will you know inspire people to to, you know, explore and be curious about uh, similar tools that I used uh, for their own journey. Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't think I have answers at all. I think what I did and fell into in many cases, you know, or um, had a little uh, spirit talk to me and say, you should try this. And I did, I think those things were great and perfect for my journey. It may not work for anybody else's, but, you know, like they say in, in, AA meetings of which I've never been to, but many of my friends have, and they say that you take what, what works for you and, you know, leave the rest. And I have found with people that have read the book, they found something in there for themselves. It can be grief uh, tools, but it also can be online dating tools, which is interesting. Mm. I've had, I've had a lot of requests around that. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to help any way I can. I think uh, whatever speaks to you is, is, is what's right for you. Mm-hmm. And isn't that interesting how, uh, you know, you really only need one takeaway from something you can have this like multi, uh, you know, 
multi-page book, right? Hundreds of pages it could be. Um, and really, if you just get one thing that is really helpful, I mean, that's, that's all you need. And, and that's what I really hope for with my podcast as well. You know, I mean, I have all these different guests on and all these really great um, ideas and, and, you know, people are motivating and, and inspiring and they share so much wisdom here. But, you know, if, if each episode you just take one thing away, I mean, that's, that's all you need. I mean, that sometimes that's all we can handle, right. Is, is one thing to, um, you know, to implement into our lives or some insight that we might have. I mean, that's just as valuable. So yeah, I totally yes. get that. And, and don't be upset if you have to hear it multiple times. I mean, there's yes. a great Pema Chodron quote that, you know, the universe doesn't stop giving you something until you've learned the lesson or whatever it's. And she says it much nicer than that. But I mean, that, I, that one always hit me hard because I'd be like, when I, when I would keep getting these major things happen to me and I'd react the same way, I'd eat too much or I drink too much or I you know, do all the self-sabotaging stuff and instead of immediately coming to self-care and taking time to withdraw and, and find myself again. So, you know, the universe keeps giving you those opportunities until you figure out a different way, you build a different neural path um, in, in uh, addressing situations. So, so don't feel bad if you don't get it the first time, you know, or the 20th time, it's just a process. Right. And we have to be, we have to be ready for that too. I mean, sometimes we're just not ready and it's okay. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. um, and I mean, as a coach, you know, my clients, they have to be ready, willing, and able to make a change. And I know the women also that you mm. do workshops for and, and the, and the women reading the book, um, you know, you have to be ready, willing, and able to, to take it in, to, to fill in the blank. Right. So, um, it's okay if we're not ready. Um, yeah. And, and, and. I don't know if you find this in coaching, but I found this in the work that I've done with people too, is that they know the answer. They already mm -hmm. know the answer to their problem or to whatever they're, they're presenting. They know the answer and you really can't tell them anything. You can ask them to get curious about things. You can lay tools in front of them, you know, for them to consider, but, but they already most of the time know the answer. You know, they need to, you know, they need to drop this person out of their life, or they need to get this education, or they need to go after that dream or set this intention or whatever it is, but you don't, you can't tell them that um, they won't do it. Uh, you, have exactly. to just give them the, you have to give them the safe space and the, um, you know, the, the tools to feel that they can move forward with the things that they actually really want. If they'll, if they can become aware about it and they have to be aware of that too. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and people are more likely to make a change when they come up with the change themselves, as yes. opposed to saying, Hey, here's some advice. Here's what I think you need to do. You know, none of us really respond well mm -hmm. uh, to that. Although sometimes we think we want that, you mm -hmm. know, but I, I think we really don't want that. I think we know that we have the answers and, um, you know, part of, I think both of the work that we, you and I do is, is to help people discover those answers and to, you know, inspire them and, and give them hope that things can get better and they can move toward that and they can achieve that or whatever it is. So, you know, speaking of hope, you talked about, um, you know, one of the big parts of your message is to begin to see loss as an opportunity. So mm -hmm. how can we begin to do that? How can we see loss as an opportunity, especially, uh, when you're going through loss, how can we see this as a positive thing? I think that's really hard. I, I but I do think it's it's starts with uh, something that 
uh, Marie Soros um, has written in a short course to happiness. Um, she does a workshop on, on this too, but it's the idea of looking for a little bit of positive uh, every day as you're going through a, a grief. So in, in that in very, very heavy grief that we, we have initially when we have a loss or a major change that disrupts our lives, um, looking every day for just a little thing that can lift us up um, can allow us to, again, just kind of grab on to the neural pathway that's just a little more positive. And we're not looking for like even 5% happier uh, each day, maybe just 3%. So that can be, I scheduled a massage. <laughs> you know, for me, it's like I get a pedicure and I can look down at my toes and say, okay, at least that is okay. <laughs> at least there's one thing that's cute on me right now. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And, and it's just, it's that kind of a thing. It's like, is there, is there some little thing that can, can lift you? And then as you kind of build on those little actions, you can start to see positive things because we don't make changes in our lives when things are good. Um, I would love to say that we do, but I don't think most of us do. I think it takes, for, it takes me to have somebody really shift my car onto a completely different lane to have me think about a change that I might need to, needed to make anyway. Um, and so I think, I think that's what happens. I think we, we have to stay in the mindset that we're open to still changing. And then we look, as we are looking at our new surroundings or our changed surroundings, where can I look for something positive here? Um, where can I take a chance? Or, or really, when you lose something too, or lose somebody, it, it, um, the Buddhists say that that really is an opportunity to look at your life and, and to embrace the fact that we're not here forever. And, and if there are things that you really, really want to do before you're not here anymore, you're more incented to do it when you have a major loss of somebody because you realize you come face to face with something that we, especially in the West, don't really want to talk about that much, um, at least in the U.S. So I think, you know, it's actually a benefit to have that shock, but it's, you know, certainly not something that um, a lot of us, including me, are ready to talk about day one. So I think those are th the things I would think about is, is, is the, you know, finding things that are positive, layering those over time and starting to change your mindset a little bit and looking around to see where things, um, there's an opportunity to change and really embrace things that you, you really want um, and but may have been denying yourself uh, up until that point. Right. Oh my gosh. So many golden nuggets that you shared right there. I mean, um, this is, this is an episode where I think, um, people can really go back a few minutes and to listen to that over again at different, even different times of our lives and kind of get something different out of it based on where we are. But yeah, mm -hmm. isn't that interesting that we tend to not make a change unless mm -hmm. things are not going well. And it's really true, right? When, when we're happy, when things are going well, when life is smooth, um, yeah, we, we tend not to, I mean, not that you can't, but I would say mm -hmm. our, our, our times of greatest growth are, are during, uh, times of, of loss. Um, and yeah, you know, this, major is, this changes. is major changes. Exactly. Exactly. And that is what's so beautiful. I believe about this midlife stage in a woman's yeah. life is that there are so many changes. Mm -hmm. There is loss, there is grief. Um, you know, if it's, if it's just age alone or, you know, the things that, that go along with us, um, our bodies, um, aging, um, and, you know, different changes that are happening in our lives. I think this is really, 
an opportunity to make some changes. And I also like how you focus not on a, on big, huge changes, but little things, little things that are in our control, like getting a pedicure that is in our control, right? That is something <laughs> exactly. that we can do and, uh, and really find joy in it and, um, be able to look down and be like, yeah, all right. That looks yes, nice. Exactly. <laughs> right? That's yeah, the one thing. Things. I mean, yeah, yeah, for me, that's just a little thing. It's, it's not a, you know, no one else really cares about it except for me. It just, mm-hmm. it makes me really, really happy. Um, exactly. So I think, that, and, and there's all kinds of things like that. Um, for me, like the walk with the dog is a big deal. Like that's just, mm-hmm. it's, and getting outside, you know, when I did uh, grief counseling, that was a big part. They said, you know, just change your environment. There's an energy in your environment that is contributing to you mm-hmm. being sad at that moment. You know, it could be something you saw and you internalized it or whatever, but moving out of the environment that you're in, especially outdoors where, it's hard not to feel incredibly small and um, just a part of a huge cog. And then you can kind of step out of your own problems and say, okay, well, this is a huge world. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and not that my problems aren't important. They certainly are, but I'm part of a bigger universe that is constantly changing. I think I read somewhere that um, again, in the West, we tend to be very linear in our thinking, whereas it's hard to think that way when you go outside because everything's very cyclical and seasonal. And you can see that this is just, a, I'm just experiencing something that's another part of this cycle, right? And that I'm really just part of a big, a big universe. Um, and everybody, there's other people feeling the same way that I am. And this is just the way things are. And I think that's really helpful, especially in times like we have today. I, you know, I talk a lot at work about where we are in the investment cycle and so forth. But if you think, you know, and it's hard not to think, oh, this is the worst thing that's ever happened and where nobody's ever felt this way before, but yeah, not so, not so. I mean, so many different times in, in history where we've had all these different things coming at once. Maybe we didn't all know about it, you know, in the same magnitude that we do today, but, but this isn't the first time we've had so many things happening at once and, and it probably won't be the last. Mm-hmm. It's true. I mean, we are all going through loss and grief um, in our lives due to, you know, everything that that's happening in the world. And there's always things happening in the world, right? Depend- yeah. And depending on how much you watch the news and how much you uh, kind of internalize all that stuff, um, you know, you can easily feel that grief and loss. Um, before we run out of time, I do want to ask you, you know, where, uh, you know, cause I could talk with you forever, but, um, we, we <laughs> do need to that. stop at some point. Um, so someone listening who is going through a loss, big or small, where, where would she start in making a change? I guess. And I mean, maybe it's get, going to get a pedicure, right? I mean, I'm not one that gets pedicures, <laughs> but you know, I, I get, I get what you're saying. I do have a massage on Monday, so I'm looking forward to that, but, um, that's my but, number one thing actually. For a lot of oh, people. it's, yeah. it's the best. It's the best. Um, okay. so w- w- what do you suggest? Where, where can one start? I'm a big fan of the, of a daily morning routine. And, and I, I, I haven't really mentioned this, but my parents were both um, very religious. My father was a Presbyterian minister. So he was always in a practice of every morning doing a devotion. So he would read something from the Bible or read another uh, piece of literature or something. And that would be how he started his day. So I do a similar type of thing. I I read um, some sort of uh, wisdom uh, theology or something like, so I read like Pema Chodron or Benet Brown or, you know, something that is helpful in terms of really processing my life. 
And it's not long. So I take like, you know, I'm reading right now, I'm reading um, Melody Beatty's Journey to the Heart. So that's another one that's great. She has a 300, 365 days and each one is about three paragraphs long. So it just kind of sets your day off. It's something that you, because a lot of times we wake up really frightened, you know, and a little bit stressed, um, depending on how you get up in the morning. And so, especially if you look at your phone first thing. So this is a great way to, to not do that, you know, pick up something that will inspire you and give you a feeling that you're not alone. And then, you know, and then I actually meditate. Um, and then I, I post daily memes. This is a, a routine that I got into when um, a per, one of the pe people that died uh, that was very close to me, I wanted to post a meme every day in his in his memory. And I've been doing that now for over four years. And it's something that gets me up in the morning. It makes me feel like I'm helping other people, but it also expresses how I'm feeling at the time, which uh, is, a, is a short, you know, really short creative burst um, that's very, very helpful. So that's something I recommend. I recommend um, at least doing some, some sort of reading that will inspire you. I love meditation or praying or any kind of spiritual, uh, you know, activity that will, that will calm you and, and, you know, center you for your day. And then something else, if there's a small little routine you can do, especially if you're going through loss that can, uh, you know, allow you to honor somebody that you really care about, it's really helpful. And you can change that honoring each month, right? So if you, this month, I'm going to do this, I'm going to plant something or water something, or, you know, like I'm doing posting memes or whatever. And then the next month you can do something different, but it, it does help you because it feels like you're still connecting with the person that you've lost. Oh, wow. Lots of great examples. I love those. I love those. Um, and, and you can make it, you know, special to you and unique to, yeah. um, to, to whatever you're going through and whatever's helpful for you. And, um, I, I love all that. So yeah, awesome. no we'll rules on it. No yeah. rules, no shooting over yourself. No, no, no shooting. I love that. Yeah. No shooting. No shooting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Donna, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I know there's another topic that I think, um, you and I can, can talk about. I won't, uh, share it now. Cause then we might get into it and then we'll start talking about it, but, um, but love to have you back to continue the conversation and, and, and go into, um, another area that, um, that you've had a journey with as well. Um, but in the meantime, yeah, great, great. Uh, in the meantime, uh, listeners, I'm going to put, uh, Donna's website, uh, in the show notes. Uh, she's also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So I'll put those links in as well. She has a monthly newsletter. Um, and, uh, you can sign up for that. And I'm also going to put her email address in there if you want to contact her about anything. So Donna, thanks again so much for coming onto the podcast. It was really great talking with you. Thank you so much. It's been an honor and I just really appreciate the opportunity and, and I'm really enjoying the podcast. So thank you so much for doing it. it, it it's a real inspiration for us. Thanks for listening. If you find the Me Time Midlife podcast valuable, please tell your friends about it. And if you haven't yet, you can also subscribe to the podcast or leave a positive rating or review, which is always greatly appreciated. If you're on Facebook, you can stay up to date with the latest episodes by following my coaching page, Transformation Wellness for Women. And finally, if you've been taking care of everyone else and now say, it's my turn to take care of me, I invite you to join our Me Time Midlife community on Facebook, where we continue the conversations we have here on the podcast. Simply go to metimemidlifepodcast.com and click on Me Time Midlife Community to learn more and join us today. It's an honor to produce this podcast for you. 
So thank you again for listening and I'll see you next time.